the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God, we're told, is the father of mercy in the sense that compassion originated with him. That's the way God is. And what this means, he has feelings of compassion and understanding for those who are suffering, which is a great truth to grasp because he is not indifferent to your pain. He is not aloof. He is not insensitive to you in your sufferings. In fact, I'm reminded that when... uh, When Jesus came to the the tomb of Lazarus and saw all the weeping that was going on because of the death of Lazarus, the Bible says that Jesus wept. Now, why did he weep? I, I contend that he did not weep because of Lazarus because he knew that in a matter of moments he was going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. There's no reason to weep for Lazarus. What he was weeping for was the heartache that death had brought upon these people. That's the heart of God tender feelings of compassion. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff has just started leading us in a study of the benefits of suffering. Today is just our second class on the topic. Now, if you missed our last class, keep listening at the end of the program for the web address I will give you then. Our main text is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, if you were with us for our last class, you will remember that it was the first part of a three-part message that launches this series of lessons. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for more than 26 years. Verse by Verse is a daily Bible class of the year, which makes Pastor Steve's expository or verse by verse Bible teaching available to a larger audience. We also have a website which I'll tell you about after the class. Have you ever been asked by unbelieving friends how a loving and powerful God can allow the suffering that we see and experience? You probably have, and it's likely that you have asked that same question yourself. Well, I think this series of classes on suffering will have something to encourage all of us. Now, let me set the stage so Pastor Steve can begin the lesson. He is about to explain a short passage of Scripture, so I will read it before we begin. It is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15-17. through 17. The Apostle Paul wrote, In this confidence I intended at first to come to you, so that you might twice receive a blessing, that is, to pass your way into Macedonia, and again from Macedonia to come to you, and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. Therefore I was not vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? Or what I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh, so that with me there will be yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? Paul often used rather complex sentences, and they take some time and study to digest. Here is Pastor Steve now to help us wrap our minds around those verses and the ones to come. Now, let me explain what's going on here. This will clear up things. This is a reference to the fact that the Apostle Paul had planned to visit the Corinthians twice. He also mentions this, by the way, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, his first letter. His plan was 
to stop off and visit Corinth on his way to Macedonia, which was north, the northern part of Greece, and Corinth is in the southern part of Greece. So he was going to, on his way from Ephesus, he would stop off at Corinth, then go on to Macedonia, then on his way back to Judea, he would stop off at Corinth again. So he said, I plan to visit you twice. But for some reason, Paul had to change his plans, and he wasn't able to visit them. He was not able to do this. Now, that really should have been no big deal. We change our plans all the time. It's just a a, a change, an honest change in itinerary. It's not deceitful. It's not false. Should have been no big deal. But Paul's opponents, the false prophets who were in that church, seized this change of plans to charge Paul with neglecting the Corinthians. They said, in essence, that he's being fickle. He's being unstable. He's being untrustworthy. And what they were saying to the Corinthians is something like this. Listen, if the man can't keep his word about visiting you, if he's untrustworthy there, how do you know that you can trust him with what he tells you about Jesus? He's not a real apostle. A real apostle wouldn't be like that. This man is dishonest, cannot be trusted. And sad to say, the Corinthians bought into these changes and charges, I should say, They bought into these charges, and so in this opening chapter, Paul chooses to defend his integrity for the sake of Christ. Now listen very closely. The way he starts off defending his integrity is to explain to them that one reason he had to change his plans to visit them was because of some severe suffering he experienced in Asia. That's verse 8. means Asia Minor, Turkey, what we would say today. He said, I thought we were going to die. Now, we don't know the specifics of this, but in some way, his sufferings affected his itinerary. And that's why he opens the letter discussing the subject of suffering. But watch what Paul does. He doesn't simply tell the Corinthians that his suffering forced him to cancel his visit to them. He doesn't just do that. He does that, but more. But he explains that instead of neglecting them, which is what he was accused of by not visiting them, They should understand that his suffering actually benefited them and even honored the Lord. It was of benefit. It was of help to them. Paul turns around the accusations of the false apostles that he has neglected the Corinthians by showing them, not only have I not neglected you, but my sufferings have actually benefited you and they've honored the Lord in the process. And that is what the passage before us is about. You know what it really deals with when you when you just uh, bring it down to its basic message? Its basic message is, let me tell you how your suffering um, is beneficial. My suffering, Paul says, is beneficial to you. This is an incredible message and truth here for us to understand. Because this section of Scripture helps to explain to us in ways that perhaps you have never considered how your sufferings are actually beneficial how your sufferings have purpose and are beneficial and how God can can and does use them in a useful way for his kingdom and his glory. So we want to begin to look at that. First, we're going to look at the the introduction, the greeting, and then we'll get into one of the, the, the first way that Paul reveals to us how our sufferings actually benefit others and beneficial. 
Verses 1 and 2 that we just uh, we just read, Paul begins the letter in the normal pattern of uh, how letters were opened in the first century. Not like today, but back then you had first the writer identified himself, so you didn't have to wait until the end of the letter to see who it was from. Then the writer identified the people he was writing to, and then finally there would be an initial word of greeting. So Paul opens by identifying himself as an apostle of Christ, which simply means that he was the divinely appointed representative of Jesus Christ for the Corinthians. He was Christ's apostolic delegate there. Jesus has sent him. He is the Lord's spokesman. What he has to say is with divine authority. Jesus was not there physically. He's in heaven. So he sent Paul. And he inspired Paul, and he guided him, and Paul speaks on acts on behalf of the Lord Jesus. That's what it meant to be an apostle. Nobody is an apostle like that today. We just try to explain the apostolic doctrine from Christ to them to us. Now, because his apostolic authority had been questioned by the Corinthians, Paul adds, by the will of God. That is to say, Paul is saying, I'm not self-appointed. I didn't just one day say there's a new sheriff in town, it's me. Paul is saying that he's been chosen and appointed by God to be an apostle of Christ. Now, in addition to Paul's name mentioned here, he also mentions Timothy. He says, and Timothy, our brother. I want you to know, though, Timothy was not the co-author of this letter, nor was was Timothy an apostle. He was an apostolic representative. But why was Timothy mentioned here? Because he was, for number one, he was with Paul when Paul wrote the letter, so it's sort of common courtesy, but also because the Corinthians were very familiar with Timothy. Timothy was with Paul when uh, Paul founded the church back in Acts 18, and also 1 Corinthians indicates that, uh, that Timothy had visited the church and ministered to them. So it was very natural to say, and Timothy, our brother too. Paul is the author, Timothy is his associate, and the letter, we're told, was written to the church of God God's called out people, which is at Corinth, that city in southern Greece. But then he adds, and with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Now, that's very interesting. What this tells us is that this letter, while directed specifically specifically to the Corinthians, was not to stay with the Corinthians. It was to be circulated. It was to go to other churches in that region. Achaia was the, was the name of the region in southern Greece, just as Macedonia was the name of the region in northern Greece. And you had various cities and villages and towns where churches had sprung up in that region. What this means to us, very helpful to know that Second Corinthians, as well as other New Testament books, are timeless, contain timeless truths intended for all of God's people. So while in one sense we're reading somebody else's mail, this is a letter to the Corinthians, not us. In another sense, God intended it to go far beyond the Corinthians for all of those in Achaia and all Christians everywhere at all times, and that includes us. So these are timeless truths that we're studying. Now, Paul concludes his opening by giving them a familiar greeting, which he does in many of his New Testament letters. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He wishes them God's continuing grace, not the grace of salvation. They already have that. Continuing grace as they live the Christian life in peace as one of the benefits that comes from God's grace. So those are Paul's initial words of greetings. Now we're ready, starting in verse 3, to jump into the section 
on suffering that is so rich with with truth. And we're going to just begin to scratch the surface this morning as we're going to look at the first benefit of suffering. And it's this. The first benefit of suffering is that, number one, suffering enables us to comfort others who suffer. Verse one or verse three, rather. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now, Paul begins the section on suffering by doing something that seems sort of odd and and very foreign to someone who has experienced a lot of pain and suffering. He bursts forth into praise for God the Father. That's something that many of us don't do. He says blessed, which is uh, really comes from the Greek word that we translate our word eulogize. It means to speak well of somebody. He's not asking for God to get a blessing. He's saying he is blessed. I speak well of him. I, it's just praise. And this is a very, by the way, Jewish way of praising God because it was patterned after the way that Jewish people often address God in their synagogue prayers. We will get right back to our class in just a minute. Let's pause briefly to welcome those who have just tuned in. We're glad to have you with us today for another verse-by-verse Bible class of the air. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel is leading us in a series of studies about the benefits of suffering. It is amazing that Paul, who suffered for his faith as much as anyone in history, would write what we just heard. He says first that God is blessed and then goes on to say that he's the father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. How does someone who has been beaten, whipped, stoned, left for dead, shipwrecked, and betrayed for his faith make such a statement? That's a good question, and Pastor Steve will answer it after he settles another important question. And many people wonder about that phrase, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus is God... How can he have a God himself? Does the Bible have a typographical error here? No, of course not. So what is the explanation? Well, here is Pastor Steve to tell us. So Paul has just burst forth into praise, but his praise is not simply Jewish. It is distinctly Christian because he calls God the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we need to stop and ask ourselves a question at this point. And the question is this, in view of Christ's full deity, Jesus Christ is God, full God. How is it possible that Paul would refer to God as the God of our Lord Jesus Christ? How can God be the God of God? That's really a very valid question. The answer is this. It's not that difficult to understand where Paul is coming from. The answer is this that since his incarnation, when Jesus became a man in his human nature, God is his God. That was not the case from all eternity. But when Jesus became a man, he took on a fully human nature. Jesus Christ has two natures. He has human nature and he has a divine nature. When he became a man, God became his God. And that's why why on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, even though Jesus Christ is fully God. But in his deity, God is his father. He has always been his father. He has always been the son of God. He did not become the son of God. He has always been the son of God. In other words, God has always been his father. And in the incarnation, he became his God. 
That's that's the thought, and that's what answers the question that we might have. And it's a very, very valid question. So why does a man like Paul, who's experienced so much suffering, praise God? That's an odd thing to do, we might think. Because though he has suffered a great deal, the Apostle Paul has also experienced God's incredible mercies and comfort. And so he praises the Lord for being the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. God is the Father of mercies in the sense that he is the source and originator of compassion. Oftentimes in the Bible, when we read someone is the father of something, it means that he's the originator. Satan, we're told, is the father of lies. Lies originated with him. God, we're told, is the father of mercy in the sense that compassion originated with him. That's the way God is. And what this means, he has feelings of compassion and understanding for those who are suffering which is a great truth to grasp because he is not indifferent to your pain. He is not aloof. He is not insensitive to you in your sufferings. In fact, I'm reminded that when uh, when Jesus came to the, the tomb of Lazarus and saw all the weeping that was going on because of the death of Lazarus, the Bible says that Jesus wept. Now, why did he weep? I, I, I contend that he did not weep because of Lazarus, because he knew that in a matter of moments, he was going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. There's no reason to weep for Lazarus. What he was weeping for was the heartache that death had brought upon these people. That's the heart of God. Tender feelings of compassion. He has more than simply feelings of compassion for us in our affliction. He actually does something in a concrete way to help us when he suffers, when when we suffer. He is, as Paul calls him, Paul says, not only is he the father of mercies, which would speak of his feelings of compassion, but he is also the God of all comfort and that he not only feels our pain, but he ministers to us when we're suffering. He ministers by comforting us. He actually does something that's tangible to help relieve our pain. He comforts those who are hurting. Now, what does that mean to comfort? And and how does God do it? How does he comfort us? Well, let me explain. The word comfort is really something that that conjures up the wrong thoughts for us. When when we think of comfort, we think of such uh, concepts as softness. You know, now we're a little more in comfort because the air conditioning is working. That's what we think of. Ease or sympathy. But that's not what the Greek word means. It's translated comfort, but it does not mean ease or sympathy or softness. The Greek word that's tra- that we translate comfort means literally to call alongside of someone to help them. It means to come alongside and help somebody. It is related to that very well-known Greek word paraclete. Paraclete is made up of two words, to call and alongside of, for the purpose of helping. That's why the Holy Spirit is at times called in the Bible the paraclete, the comforter. It's also translated the helper. When the helper has come, Jesus said, that's this, this thought here, paraclete. The thought is that of, watch this, coming alongside of somebody for the purpose of strengthening them. That's what it means to comfort someone in biblical 
terminology means to put strength into their hearts or encourage them or give them courage so that they could face their trial of pain with an attitude of victory and not be defeated. It is to come alongside of someone, strengthen them. That's what it means. So what Paul is teaching us is that no matter how difficult our circumstances might be, no matter how intense our sufferings are, God cares about our pain because he is compassionate and he is available to comfort us, to strengthen us so that we can face our trials with victory. In other words, he is the source of all comfort. That's what he means. There is no comfort, no genuine comfort apart from God and his word. And the way he comforts us is through, watch this, his word. Did you get that? There is no other comfort apart from God's word. It is his word that puts strength in our hearts and helps us to face the trials of life. A truth from his word that sustains us in our difficulties. For example, let's, let's look at this in the context of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The passage I mentioned before about Paul's thorn in the flesh, but I want you to see how God ministered comfort to him. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Paul was experiencing some kind of tormenting pain. We don't know exactly what this was, but whatever it was, it really hurt. Whether it was emotional pain or physical pain, we just don't know. We can't say dogmatically, but it was a messenger from Satan, and it was very, very painful. What did Paul do? Well, he did what you and I would do. He prayed and asked God to remove it from him. Verse 8. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. You know what God said? No. No. That's not how I'm going to minister to you, Paul. But it doesn't mean that God didn't minister to him and comfort him. He just didn't remove that pain. Verse 9. Here's how God ministered to Paul. He spoke to him. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, I'm not removing the pain. Instead, I'll give you the grace to endure it for your own good. For, he said, he went on to say, I'll tell you why I'm doing this, to keep you weak. For my power or power is perfected in weakness. I don't want you exalting yourself, Paul. I want you to be weak, and I want my power to be demonstrated in your weakness. And look at Paul's response. Most gladly, therefore, I'll rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What comfort. Now, do you think Paul was strengthened? From one minute of praying that God would remove this torment from him, the next moment he's praising God and said, I'll glory in it. It's fine. What comforted Paul? What strengthened him? It's the Word of God. He was fine after God spoke to him. Thank you for listening to Verse by Verse. You know, all too often we look to human reasoning for our comfort without going to the Word of God. Now, advice and comforting words from others are valuable, but the Word of God is the ultimate source of comfort and wisdom. 
We will never experience the comfort God wants us to have if we ignore His Word. Pastor Steve will have more about that on our next program. We are glad you could join us. Today's lesson is the middle part of a three-part message by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're just beginning a series of lessons about the benefits of suffering. Now, if you missed the start of today's lesson or you want to go back and catch yesterday's class, I suggest you visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the file for later. You will find previous programs on our archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear this entire message at one time without announcements, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours so that you can order an audio CD or a cassette tape. That number again, 727-441-1714. Don't forget that Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their own church. Many times I have wondered, why is this happening to me, God? Why do I have to go through this? You probably have too. Those feelings are completely natural, and Pastor Steve will be here for our next verse-by-verse to help us face those questions. I'm Peter Silseth, and I hope you can be here too. Faith Talk 570 W. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.